Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week's the Live Life Aggressive Show. Sincere Hogan, that's me. My co-host, Mike Mahler, is on the other line. Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, well, we're doing good. Once again, we have a guest where the show starts before we start <laughs> right. recording. And we realize, whoa, 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 I stop here. <laughs> this is some good material we're missing right. out on. <laughs> exactly. So that once again... And before we get to our guest, I want to give a shout out to some VIPs that have been using that coupon code LLA to get some great products and support the show. We have Mark LeBird, Bill Lee, Alan Levy, Carl M., Charles Robert, Nathan White, Kyle Brown, John Elkerton, Frank Torelli, Mike Taylor, and Ronald Smith. They're all using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off. And also, they're they're doing they're going above and beyond to not be, as our guest would say today, a beach. <laughs> so don't be a beach and not support the show. <laughs> Use that coupon code LLA and put your money where well, I don't know where your mouth is. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> who not knows? Come on, your mouth might be where your money is. <laughs> so, yeah. It's different times, man. You may not have any money because you're putting your mouth in the wrong places. That might you may, that may be one of the business problems. That mouth brings in. It might be in the right place for that person. Hey, man, I'm not judging. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. Already setting the tone for today's show, I see. <laughs> Also, uh, let's give a shout out to all our folks over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash LLA podcast. We have people who are supporting the show on a monthly basis, such as Steve Sampson is also, also John Robinson. They've jumped on board now on Patreon instead of increasing those pledges each and every month to help this show keep going and growing. Hey man, look here. You're next. Get on. Go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Start off with a $5 pledge. If you want to go with more of that, do it. Do that. So, like I said, that's going to help us continue to bring great guests like we have today. Look, man, you're not going to get these type of guests up close and personal like we bring them on here because they come here, they get to be themselves. It's not some Charlie Rose type thing, as Mike always says, that, you know, everything's all formal and it's like we're reading off a teleprompter and a script. And no, man, it just and it seems so cold and rigid. No, these are just they get to come on this show and be real people. And so if they say you're acting like a beach, they can say that on this show. <laughs> so we don't have a problem with that. We're not going to bleep it out. We're not going to cut it out. So that's the beauty of the show, man. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the things you can do with that. And we'll talk more about that later on in the show. I, I really want to get started, man, and talk with this guest. So that's why I'm tired of yeah, babbling about just the housekeeping stuff because it's, it's, it's great to have this guest back on the show again, man. It's one of our popular guests that we've had on the show before. Oh, yeah, no oh, doubt, dude. no doubt. By far one of the most, by far yeah. one of the highest it's downloaded guests for sure. So we have, we have Ori Hoffmeckler. He's the author of The Warrior Diet. He's the, runs DefenseNutrition.com. Also, The Anti-Estrogenic Diet, another great book. He's the author of yeah. a lot of good books. Maximum Muscle, Minimum Time. Is that what it's called, Ori? Or I always get that one wrong. Is that correct? It, it was Maximum Muscle, Minimum Fat yeah. and Unlocked. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite ones out of all of your books because you get into more technical details on that one. But how, how are you doing? How are things going? I'm okay. Um, very busy recently. I'm busy. One of the most, beside trying to finish the manuscript for my latest book, it's called The Stress Principle, mm. which while I'm writing the book, it's interesting. I decided to write the book because, you know, sometimes you have like oreca, like, like a hit on your brain, on your face that you have the urge to sit down and say, scream and say, you know, I really want to put it together, right. this concept. But as you do that, the concept change you. While I'm, I'm creating the concept, I'm putting it together, I feel like it's changing me at the same time. I'm, it, it's not a will situation. Actually, it's a good situation. But 
the experience itself uh, surprised me. So while I was doing this recently, I'm also uh, very busy in innovating what I believe a solution to our diet. I know, I know it's hypothetical, but it's really, I really mean it. Yeah. Uh, we develop here. Uh, I, I really believe that in the bottom, in, smack in the center of the problem of the human diet is sugar. Right. It, it just affects everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and as bad, uh, artificial sweeteners and artificial additive, chemical additives. Um, what, what do you think of stevia? That's really popular right now. Well, it's not the worst, you know. I say it like say, when your house is on fire, don't check the color of your underpants. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the underpants, it's irrelevant. You just want to make sure you have some on before you run out the front door. That might be yeah, <laughs> just make sure you Especially got if it's cold, you know, shrinkage is not much fun. It could be embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> make sure it's tight. <laughs> but I tell you, the color is irrelevant, and that's what stevia. Yeah, it's doing this. They're making too much hustle about it. Not that bad. Not that good. Right, right. It, it does not and never prove itself to substitute the problem of sugar. A product that are done with stevia still make people binge and look for the same crap that they eat before. Right, right. The stats are there. We can talk about it later. But I tell you. Well, with stevia, it heightens sweet receptors, right? But you're not getting the sugar kicks, and you have a tendency to still keep looking for some sugar. Yeah, correct. Stevia, the one that they are using popular, is it's basically a non-nutritive substance that mimic chemical. Even though it derived from plant, it doesn't come close to the plant that it came from. While plant complain always, always remember the rule: plant. Contain complex of compound right. that God or nature or both designed them to work perfectly in your body. You evolved for that. We you can you can buy stevia. You can buy stevia leaves. I've gotten you them at farmers. Buy. Yeah, at farmers markets before. They're, they're actually pretty tasty. Correct. You can buy stevia leaves, but they are less uh, commercially viable. Right. And the palate of the typical American housewife is not like your palate. <laughs> right. it's very spoiled. Quite honestly. Yeah. So, how do you offer solution for people who already develop it? Develop palatability is a nice word. They are addicted. It's honestly when you look at the mechanism mm-hmm. of how food affect people, uh, sugar, for instance, or starch bind to the same receptor in your brain, opioid receptor as crack cocaine, yeah. cocaine, and or morphine, and they are as addict. So even though you try to get out of it, uh, most people go back and crave for the same crap that they crave, crave before. Yeah. So part of my goals now I'm trying to say is to offer solution. We innovated, for instance, the sugar substitute that look like sugar. I don't know if I ever sent it to you, Mike. Yeah, you did. You did. I liked it. Yeah, it looked like sugar. It tastes like sugar, functional like sugar, but it's 100% fiber. And... We even now create chocolate is made with this lost close to 50% of the calories. The chocolate, 50% fiber. It looks creamy and tastes as junk. It's in, it's in the granola you sent me too, right? Isn't that the sweetener? It is in the granola. And the, the granola is great. Yeah, we now about to break the ice cream. And guess what? While we do whey product, we also doing vegan product on R&D. Oh, no. So okay. I'm very excited because we are 
We are planning to launch soon a line of vegan product to vegan protein bar that take as much as protein as any protein bar out there, you know, whey or eggs or whatever. Taste, in my opinion, as good, if not better. And I'm really working very hard to create a technology and awareness that the people who have the sanity to keep a healthy diet can also enjoy it without craving and missing what they decided to drop. I believe that as simple and banal as it sounds, trivial almost, this is what is needed now. Beyond, yes, vision is very important. Science, critically important. People need to know the difference between good and bad because today most people don't even know what they're doing good, not only bad. But it's very important to offer practical solution. It's not easy, but it offers. So I'm very busy recently working on that. And I'll be very... Well, well can't, can't sugar cravings be reduced or controlled when someone shifts to a clean diet and then over time those sugar cravings go down. Isn't that reasonable? Shouldn't that happen for most? Absolutely, because this is part of the stress principle that I'm writing about. The stress principle is basically describe the process of adaptation. We evolved with the capacity to adapt, and if we didn't, we wouldn't exist here. We, there is no way that we would talk right now if we don't have the capacity to adapt. Without adaptability, we are nothing. So yes, um, addicting to sugar, addicting to addiction to any drugs, it is possible to get over, to eliminate it. But most people don't have the power or the strength, will, or even the time or the understanding. I also think people don't give people enough leeway either, right? Like with an alcoholic, if an alcoholic has a problem, no one's saying, hey, just get over it. No, people understand they have to go through programs and steps and so forth. And sugar addiction is is similar, but everyone looks at that and goes, oh man, just just get more discipline. You just need more willpower. But willpower is just fleeting. Eventually, you're just going to give up. Eventually, you give up because there's something on the back deep in the brain, maybe the reptile area, when we once upon a time, billions of years ago, we were just reptiles. And this memory is still, primitive memory, still push people to do things almost against their will. You know, yeah. when it's, it's, you know, late at night, many guys or girls see themselves, they don't <laughs> see themselves walking to the fridge, opening it, <laughs> see themselves. They try to pull themselves out, but they, somebody's there still pulling bad stuff out of the fridge, shoving it in, and then wake up fat, sluggish, guilty. Well, well, I mean, addictive behavior is like being possessed, right? Like when you see someone that gets in that zone of addiction, whether it's gambling, they walk into a casino and they can't resist doing whatever they do, blackjack, roulette, etc., and some people, they can't be in a bar because they'll just get that can't craving for a yeah. drink, right? And they, you get into almost like you're possessed. Like you can see the look on the person's face. Like they're on a mission. They have to get that fixed. Yeah. Here's what I think. But here's what I think. So, I, when they don't make this, when most people see like food addiction or sugar addiction, the reason why they don't take it as seriously as say like alcohol addiction, sex addiction, gambling or anything like that is because theoretically in their mind, they think that that sugar addiction or food addiction is not harming anyone else but that person who has that addiction. Whereas if someone's an alcoholic, then they 
they're viewed as someone that could potentially hurt someone else. They can get behind the wheel and they can kill someone, have DUIs. That's right. If someone's got a drug addiction, they yeah. can go out and rob somebody and kill them so they can get more money to get more drugs. If it's a sex addiction, you know, they have the potential to catch, you know, uh, STD and pass it along and harm someone else or something like that. But when it's coming down to food and sugar, they think like that is an isolated event that you can take care of on your own because it's just you not realizing that it's also affecting that person that's saying the same thing about this person because it's that's very true, very, very true what you say very true but there's one Mm -hmm. more thing and that's what makes food addiction the worst food is essential for your survival without food eventually you die you know so here's the paradox the lack of food trigger a stress response that is very beneficial for you in fact lack of food is probably the most studied stressor of any other stress it has shown to extend life of all organisms, from bacteria to human, with no exception, including plant. You deprive an organism from food up to a certain threshold, the organism live better, becoming healthier, start to resist aging, and live longer. It's a rule. So here it is. The same food that's essential for your survival can also kill you when come in excess, and vice versa. And that's it may be what I'm about to say is maybe even more important. The same stress that can kill you, Mike and Hogan, the same stress, it can be physical or nutritional, even heat shock. The same stress that can kill you can heal you if applied in smaller or tolerable amount. This is an amazing phenomenon of nature. It's called hormesis. Why do I say that? And that's what happened in exercise, for instance. Exercise, physical hardship can exhaust and kill you. Hey, there were times in history that people died from physical exhaustion under slavery or concentration camps or whatever it is. We know that physical hardship can kill, but under a certain threshold, control threshold, it can also heal. It forces your body to respond to the stress, adapt and improve. So hormesis is one of the most important rule of nature, one of the most misunderstood because it involves paradox and most people don't like paradox. In fact, common opinion is generally dumb. Common sense is also dumb. <laughs> and that's what sells today. But here is the interesting part here. More and more evidence come that hormesis it's not just what you do, like what stress should I put myself under? Heat. If I go to the sauna, I'm going to put myself under stress. If I do yoga or pilates under heat, it's actually going to be better. If I exercise, I know. If I fast, I'm going to put myself. These are all hormetic stressors. This is all good. But there's one more element, more even crucial, is hormetic diet. Do we have, I think we talked about it before. Yeah, we did. You're talking about the stressed foods? Yes, we have nutrients that mimic the effect of stress on our bodies. In fact, we evolve to depend on this nutrient, and not only us, all animals, both vegetarian animals and carnivorous animals, evolve to depend on this nutrient. Now, where do do you find this nutrient? Well, you don't find them in meat, for sure. Hardly in eggs. You don't find them in animal food, hardly, except for maybe breast milk. We'll talk about it later on. They are rarely do appear in animal food. Virtually all of them 
appear in the vegetarian food. They are appearing in plants. Bottom line, both us, human apes, vegetarian animals, cows, goats, sheep, and carnivorous animals, dogs, cats, tigers, wolves, bears, all evolved to depend on these plant nutrients. It's a rule of nature. And I think we discussed before, if you have a dog or a cat, we just got another puppy now. We got dogs and cats. All of them like to eat grass. All of them, if you have a dog, you know that. What what if they like to eat crap, though? Can you trust their judgment? (laughs) Well, you know what? For them, the crap is still better what you buy in the supermarket. This is organic. I have a yellow lab who's who's the worst scrounger in the world, man. I take her to the park. I can't take I can't let her roam on her own because she'll start eating fertilizer and all kinds of garbage, and then she'll then she'll have like just just disgusting gut issues. <laughs> you well, know, you know I, and it's not fun to wake up to that. <laughs> That's that's part of the collateral damage. You know, in the past, this canine probably was going on the forest or open grassland and finding anything on, on, on the grass or early seeds or whatever it is, which they chew or barked of trees, which they chew or peats, which they chew to get these uh, stress-activating nutrients. Yeah. Um, today, unfortunately, we don't have forest anymore, so we got more crap than grass. So that's a collateral damage, yeah. you know, um, how they say shit happens. <laughs> happens too much. Well, what are we going to do when there's 20 billion people on this planet, man? It's not going to be, there's not going to be an inch of grass anywhere to be found. Well, you know what? Laboratory. That would be a very interesting question if grass, land, and forest would disappear before, because people become vegetarian. Let me tell you, that would be the day. Yeah. But currently, what happened is that we don't even have a starting point. People are not aware how important it is to put themselves under stress, both nutritionally and physically. Yeah. The survival oriented disappeared. The industry is totally anti-survival. It is basically built, the vast majority of the industry, to take you away from stress. Modern technology all aim about comfort and indulgence. Well, people are always trying to avoid stress, and yet, ironically, that in and of in and of itself is stressful. Correct. It's what it creates is chronic stress, the worst that you want to have. My mother was like that. She was always trying to avoid stress, and then as a result, she had high blood pressure. She was worrying all the time. And yeah, if, yeah. if you if you embraced stress or embraced adrenaline activities more. You'd actually be healthier. I've been playing around with your controlled fatigue training, actually inadvertently, because I do a lot of sprinting. And I was telling our guest last week, Christian Thibodeau, that every time I do heavy kettlebell presses after sprinting, although I'm tired from the sprinting, I'm always stronger on the pressing than I am if I don't do the sprinting before. It's amazing, huh? Yeah, so I really think there's something to be said about the stress actually makes you stronger. Because once, yes. I mean, initially it may not happen, right? Like you may go run 10 sprints and the only thing you want to do is sit on a couch afterwards. But over time you adapt and it not you don't adapt to the point where it's easy. You adapt to the point where you can deal with it and then you can actually perform at an even higher level afterwards. It's really interesting. 
as long as you're not addicted to exercise, because exercise, all, all kind of stress can be addictive. That's another paradox. Yeah, if you have four gym memberships, you know, you know you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you're stressing, yeah. stressing your bank account. Right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I know, I know people who work out three times a day. I go, for what? <laughs> what are you doing? For a UFC title? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are people that are professional athletes. But, but Ori, when you say that, that, that this theory, that, that this type of training is also what most of our, let's just say like our military and people who are at these high levels of, of training, this is pretty much what they do on a daily basis, wouldn't you say? Where they put themselves and that's what keep them at the top I, of their game. They kind of put themselves in these stressful situations. But, yet, you know, once they get there, they don't stop. It's like they push through and, and it, it helps them mentally as well as dealing with that as well. So it's, a, it's also a way of also kind of just it's kind of like a punch. It's like throwing a punch. It's just like your, your hand is relaxed until you're ready to hit that target. But then once you hit the target, you relax again, you know, as you pull that punch back. And that's kind of what they're doing. It's like this ebb and flow, ebb and flow that's going with their training. And, you know, whereas we're, you know, the typical person out here in the civilian world, quote unquote, they think they got to go hard to go home or they just go home and never leave the house. It's one or the other. <laughs> they don't know how to work both. <laughs> they, just they just stay, stay home. home. Yeah. Like, well, hey, I got, if I got to go I, hard, I just watch this workout on TV, man. You know, and I just do it about osmosis, man. You know what I'm I, I can't wait for the day that I can stay at home without doing anything, but it just doesn't happen. You take me to a vacation. I'm still looking for action. Why? I think it's already inherent. Is, but I think people can adapt to anything, quite honestly, and so do animals. But it's very true what you say, Hogan. Listen, when you understand the mechanism of stress, you should never overdo it. Only intermittent stress in short interval really benefits us. Anything that become chronic become counter-effective, absolutely counter-effective. And uh, so it's very important to understand it, Mike. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, training, how long do you train generally? I, I try to keep with, with warm-ups and mobility under an hour, so 45 oh. minutes. So I hit, it, I hit it, I get in there, I hit the compound moves, hit it hard, get out. Okay. I bet with you that if it was a hypothetical situation, I take you and a marathon runner, each of you will have to do the other one drill one time you will be able with your training to run marathon. It's going to be difficult, but you'll be able to do it. You'll be able to go through that. It's the boredom that would stop me. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever it is. No, actually, actually, your body, your ironically, body. I'm really good at endurance. I, I would I would pick that up faster than, than the other way around. I think you're going to be able to do it, but he will not be able to do what you do. Plain and simple. No doubt. No doubt. Put him under this complexity of upper-lower body uh, you know, high intensity stuff and they crush to pieces. It happened to me a few times. Um, I, I was always, I'm always surprised to see that, mm. that one training can open you. And that's what Hogan, you were right about it. This kind of training just allow you better survive in any situation and give you the ability to react to different kind of situation and respond and adapt and go through endure it well, i think what? the ability to deal with discomfort is a powerful one because most people try to avoid anything that makes them uncomfortable so when you purposely put yourself in a situation where it's uncomfortable and you persevere that's pretty powerful stuff correct especially when you what i believe it's called post fatigue just when everybody told you it's time to stop you go for one more drill but not just hanging in there 
you go and hit as much as you can just to show yourself and the world that you have the capacity to come back with a vengeance. Kind of the special forces mindset, right? And you were Israeli special forces where with the Navy SEAL, sometimes one of the breaking techniques they use is they go run. We're going to go run 10 miles. And just when they're about to finish, they say, all right, five more. And then boom, <laughs> half the class just collapses right now. Yeah. Mentally, they were thinking, oh, man, finally it's over. <laughs> you know? Yeah, don't remind. But, but it's true what you say. The, but I think that the idea of doing a 30 minutes smart, intense drill per day is the right way to go. I never find a reason why to exceed the 30 minutes. Maybe once in a while, I think you should enjoy. You well, wanna- if, if I exceed it, it's going to be something fun, like taking the dogs to Red Rock and we go hiking for several hours, which is pretty yeah. rigorous because we're climbing. On, this is not just a little trail. This is going way up. We're climbing over rocks and jumping over things. It's fun. And that's usually several hours. That's a whole day. Correct. And you know what? You need to listen to your body. You have a whole hormonal system. You're you're an expert in this. You don't want to reach a point when you finish your tra- your training of the testosterone level drop down to nothing. Well, we always say if you can't get laid after a workout, then it wasn't a good workout. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes you have to make that choice. You go, okay, I'm going to hit a PR, but I'm not going to be able to get laid. <laughs> you have to ask yourself, do I want to hit the PR or do I want to be able to get laid after this workout? <laughs> I, I need to trademark that line. <laughs> That's always a good sign. It's like, hey, can you bang after the workout? No, well, it wasn't a good workout. <laughs> Yeah. Don't it, was, it wasn't functional. <laughs> yeah, ask ask your doctor if your heart is good enough for Viagra. <laughs> if if you need to reach this point, don't even try, just you might as well give up. Give up. You know? So I yes, I believe that currently most training are not smart enough. They need to keep you viable. They need to bring your body to a threshold peak and leave you alone at that point. While virtually most of them are build you to overexhaust you. So as a young kid, maybe you can go and even benefit from that. But as you get older, man, you got, you got to get smart. Right. You, you got to be smart with the way you develop. So yes, short intern exercise. A good smart diet that move away from crap and put you under enough nutritional stress throughout the day will be the solution. That's in theory. I believe it can translate to reality. I truly believe. Again, maybe I'm naive, but I do believe and I'm working on that. Well, now. that's one of the warrior diet philosophies right. too, right? You're going long stretches without eating. You're purposely under eating during certain periods. So you're Correct. depriving yourself, and that's there's a there's a level of mental toughness that comes with that. There's a lot of mental and physical toughness that your body takes, but as you say, the adaptation is necessary. And but you know, the rule of hormesis is simply whatever doesn't kill you make you better. But maybe some people can be crushed. You know, they. Natural selection has been working on our species and other species for millions of years. Even before we became human, natural selection disagree and the stress principle. Evolution existed since life existed. Stress, in fact, existed before came life, life came about. There is already evidence that 
heat shock protein, which are stress protein, existed before organism even came about. It's almost like nature designed the world, life, to be inherent to stress and vice versa. So on the sketches, they already prepare stress protein just in case that life will come because there's no meaning to life without stress. What I'm trying to say is that natural selection or evolution has to work. If evolution, if people plateau, that that means they don't evolve anymore. They tend to prematurely age and they are sensitive for a short life. If this is the case, means evolution is not interested in you anymore. Mike, if evolution is not interested in you, it basically discards you. You are ready for disposal. Yeah. And that's what our society is doing today. We are doing everything to not be subjected to natural selection. And we do everything to not be under stress. But the fear of stress is real. Because when you look at a society of spoiled species or creatures, a large majority of them will be disposed by nature. You know, only the fittest can survive. So think about a society that was not raised to be under the rule of the survival of the fittest. It develops almost a phobia of stress, a phobia of hunger, a phobia of anything that can improve the gene pool of this species. The vast majority, I, I truly believe, it's an under, underlying fear of stress. It's the fear of the inferior, uh, inferior or supposed to be instinct. Sounds terrible, sounds cruel. But it's not racist. It's true. Yeah, it's pretty brutal reality. But the reality is that if you're not thriving, you're declining. Maintenance is an illusion. <laughs> Correct. So, Mike, your, I believe your slogan is live aggressively, right? Right, I right. I like the slogan because I tell you what, it doesn't fit everybody. It doesn't fit everybody. There are people. That, that's for sure. <laughs> there are people who ask the doctor if their heart is good enough for, for sex. <laughs> there are people who do it, and many people. And these people cannot fit your system. So I believe that solution is not for everybody. Quite honestly, and when they're always asking the warrior that fit everybody, no, it doesn't fit. I believe they fit everybody. Hey, does exercise fit everybody? Depends what exercise. Well, what's, ama- what's amazing is that people will ask their doctor if their heart's good enough for sex, but they, they, they're not going to ask their partner if they actually want to see them with their clothes well, on. Okay, I'll give you an example. <laughs> there's, there, there's, a guy, there's a guy at the park I was talking to, and he's like, hey, man, I got a question for you. Uh, what can I take that I'll put some lead on my pencil, if you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, first of all, man, can you even see your pencil? When's the last time you saw your pencil? <laughs> because this guy was really overweight. He can't walk 50 yards without collapsing. And he's still thinking about sex. And I go, man, you've got some mismatched priorities here. <laughs> you know what? You, I, I, can't, I, I can't agree with you more about the paradox. Besides, just think about it. No, but, but also the, the, the salient point here is that 
why would why would you want what who who wants to have sex with you you know that's kind of where i'm going and if i looked like this guy i would i would i wouldn't want to take my clothes off anywhere you know that'd be the last thing in my mind the whole time i'd be thinking there's no way this woman's enjoying this she can't possibly be enjoying me right now you know so that, that's what i mean is that this, this guy needs to i mean he doesn't have to be a ripped adonis but get your fitness level on so you feel good and you're healthy and all that as well it, it's absolutely true. There is no priorities at all. It's the way people look is just a result of something. Hey, why do you need to ask your doctor about it? How about ask your doctor if your heart is good enough for the crap? <laughs> yeah. Allow you to eat. Right, right. Cookies and cakes and cookies and sugar and is, is my Is my heart healthy enough for 12 Is my heart healthy enough to go upstairs yeah. and have yeah. sex? How about it's, that? It's like, can I make it up the stairs yeah. to get to the bedroom? <laughs> That's fine. You don't need to ask anyone about but you need to ask him if your heart is good enough. For I tell you, this is so absurd. Absurd. So, solutions, I don't know, quite honestly. I don't know if there's a solution to everybody. Well, I think people need to set a higher bar for themselves. Is what's, the, the bar is so low right now that a lot of things that are socially acceptable shouldn't be. You know, We're becoming a nation of obesity where that's essentially socially acceptable now because once, enough, once, a, once a certain percentage of the population looks a certain way, now it's considered normal. Like someone that's considered so, – someone that we considered overweight, let's say when I was in high school in the 1990s, yeah. that, per, that person wouldn't be considered overweight at all by today's standards. They'd probably be considered thin. You need to eat something. You okay? You sick? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. sick? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. But do we have the instinct that's – do we have the instinct for stress? That is a very good question. Do we have a desire for stress? I believe we do. People don't even know that they have. Even the lazy, the sick, and the sedentary have this desire for stress as that they get from, they like to get the sense of stress uh, from watching Passively watching movies or sport game or, or the, playing or the video news. games <laughs> or watching Donald Trump, you know, getting, or, stre- or <laughs> getting stressed out of him. It's like if it's not in real life, it's <laughs> virtually we have a desire for stress. It's the most denied desire. Yes, it's there. It's there and it needs to be taking advantage of. Yeah. People don't well, I think people are too comfortable living vicariously. So you go watch a movie and someone's doing these really impressive feats of athleticism that you, you get you get enough of a kick just watching that that you're not in, even inspired to do something remotely. Which is kind of building on what Ori just said. You know, people have the desire to be stressed. Well, that's because at that moment, even if it's misplaced stress, in that moment, that's when they feel alive. That's when they're feeling alive, when they're stressed and, and, and that adrenaline's going. Even if it's just like just screaming at the television for no reason, they got that adrenaline going because that is in their nature to have that. And, you know, no one wants to just be just docile the entire time, just pretty much just going through life on autopilot, even though it seems like a lot of people are. But there's just this, this innate part of us that just like, you know, you want to just let loose. And just the thing is, it's just misplaced. They want to let loose in the wrong ways, you know, so that, that's, that's how I see it. You know, this. This desire, you're right, Hogan. I mean, honestly, you put things very right, but it's going, it's not just a desire. I believe we have an instinct for stress simply because stress plays such a key role in our survivability. It's not just art. You can see it in animal. You can see how kitten 
like to stress themselves for no reason. They like to play, roll around, fight, mm -hmm. grapple with each other. Puppy dogs are doing this. Even deers are playing. Everybody, you just let them, they play. Um, the, the problem is that stress, let the acknowledgement of the stress instinct is very anti-civilized. It can go very wrong. So we were raised in a way that to believe that stress is bad and any desire for stress should be totally controlled, etc. What happened now, you're right, virtual stress and virtual life take the place of real life. People rather sit at home, play video games or watch TV than doing anything else, not understanding how powerful this instinct is and how awesome the stress response system is too. When you respond to stress, your body produces this protein that preserves you, honestly prevent your brain from ever getting old, keeping you alert, in great shape. It's so important. I'll give you an example. Um, when, when people who listen to that, sometimes everybody have craving, right? Let's say you eat a pizza or something sweet and you cannot stop. Right. It happened, okay? Do this. Do the following test. Stop. Give yourself one minute in the minute of in the middle of the binge, okay? You hear me, oh, yeah. guys? Yeah. Okay. Go and do ten minutes, a one sixty second, thirty second push up or jump or fast punches, uppercuts, whatever it is. One or running the up and down, so only 60 seconds, no more, no more. When you feel the lactic acid and you're huffing and puffing, stop. Go back to the food that you binge, I bet with you, in 60 seconds, you don't want to binge anymore. Yeah. The craving will be gone. You're back into control. I mean, you can resume eating the crap or not, but you're back on control. Why? because your body got in 60 or 30 seconds into a survival mode. Your stress response was on. Eating is the last thing that your body needed at this point. Right. You're betting control. Hormones go back to the right balance. Satiety hormones go up. Hunger hormones go under control. You are really in a good mode to control your life and control your destiny. And that's just, and I tell you, Something so true will never be done. Instead of saying to yourself, one more bite and one, just go for a quick drill on 30 <laughs> seconds. Honestly, it doesn't take, you don't even need to leave the room. You can do it in your office, at home, in the kitchen. It looks weird, so what? You know, it does work. And um, I tried it several, with several people. Everybody say, just switch your body to another mode. Well, Mike and Hogan, just depend. imagine yourself that the whole day your body is switching into this mode. For most of the day, all these great stress response compound, it's not only protein, it, these are special kinase enzymes that activate your longevity pathway. Your body shifts into amazing metabolic mode, rather fat burning than fat gain, away from fat gain. Uh, glucose utilization in brain and muscle reach a peak uh, 
this heat shock protein traveling your system not only to repair tissue, they search and destroy every broken cell and sick cell. Your body is a very powerful anti-cancerous mode. The mechanism that builds cancer, by the way, in muscle, mTOR, is being shut down. So you're basically becoming a superman, at least for a few hours a day, maybe few, maybe six, maybe eight, maybe ten. How about twelve? You could even do this as a preemptive measure. I like to do exercise breaks throughout the day just to work on technique and break up the days. I'm not sitting down too yes. much because I'm at a computer a lot. And every, every time you do one of these little breaks, you get a nice mental boost. Your energy goes up a little bit. You, and, the, and the last thing you're yeah. talking about is eating right afterwards. So I, I, can see, I see exactly where you're coming from. It's the last thing your body needs. You really want to stay, and the body compensates with a very nice boost of endorphin in your brain. They basically occupy all the receptors that the sugar and the crap was supposed to occupy. You're in a very powerful situation, but that's not supposed to be an episode. That's supposed to be a lifestyle. My right, right. A lifestyle. Every day you're supposed to be in this supreme mode when this life-extending compound percolating in your system. And if on the top of all that, when you eat, you eat the right food, plant food that contain this stress-mimicking nutrient, you really become a super you. You really have the chance now not only to live great and look great, you have the chance to finally extend your life. Well, what are some of the plant foods that contain? In fact, all plant food, or especially wild plant, non-GMO, contain a stress-mimicking nutrient. Okay. The most abundant ones are phenols, polyphenols, like flavonoids and non-flavonoids. And other compounds um, include alkaloids, such as berberine, which are usually found in peats, roots, box, all the bitters, are very powerful. Some of them are the most powerful life-extending nutrient that exist. And, um, and ber berberine has been used like metformin too, right, for glucose control and insulin correct. sensitivity. Yeah, correct. All of them have insulin stabilizing properties. They're all mTOR inhibitors. And uh, no, sorry, a group of them, the most powerful one, they're called calorie restriction CR mimetics. These are compounds that mimic the effect of fasting or calorie restriction and exercise on your body. They really activate the same genes and pathway that exercise activate, especially when you exercise on empty stomach. So this is an incredible phenomenon. Guess what? 99% of people don't have this nutrient, not theomimetic, and if they do have stress-mimicking nutrient in insufficient amount. Our society rather consume animal food or processed food like white flour that does not contain it anymore. So we are basically betraying our biological destiny. We don't, our food chain is already deprived of them. And uh, most people are nutritionally deficient without even knowing. They still go to the old dinosaur chart of the FDA of vitamin, minerals, antioxidant. These are old. This is old school. We don't need vitamins. We don't need minerals and antioxidants. Quite honestly, we got too much of them. Every, you know, 
you already have antioxidant and vitamin dust in the air that you breathe, quite honestly. Mm. What we miss is plant nutrients that extend life. Even, uh, I, we talked about, even animals know. Even animals feel that they're looking for that. We are missing it. Most people are not aware of that. And they can only be found plants. And also, you know, bacteria, soil, bacteria, microbiota. Wild plants are the best source. Where do you find wild plants? We can still find berries, apples, and, and other fruits that are grown under non-GMO, more wildlife condition. Is it ideal? No. Can you find really wild fruits? There is no awareness to that. So I don't know if people really find it, but I hope that in my book I will create more awareness to the necessity to de- to start uh, cultivating stressed food rather than spoiled food. Because, you know, Mike and Hogan, when you fertilize, over-fertilize a plant, it's like creating an obese plant. You give him too much food, they develop the same properties as a, a, of an obese animal. Why would you like to eat a plant that is obese? It carries too much energy in the form of starch and sugar. You really don't need it. You really don't get it. That's what they did with the corn. You know, the old corn was yeah. skinny. It wasn't that sweet. Yeah. But human palatability does everything to make things sweeter and more energetic. We don't want energy. We want to deplete energy. We live in an industry that constantly talk about energy and energy. You need the energy. You only need to deplete your energy. That's what triggered the stress response. When you exercise, you deplete energy. Your body responds to it immediately. When you fast, it's about energy depletion. It's during energy depletion that you thrive. It's the hunger that makes you better. Yeah, most people have a surplus of energy that's not being utilized, (laughs) right? It's not not a lack of energy. Most people are walking around with more energy than they could use in a lifetime. Correct. It's when you deplete your energy that your body is triggered now to increase energy production and utilization efficiency. It's kind of like your car has to run out of gas before you put more. I mean, it has to get lower in gas before you put more gas in. While more people are just putting gas in and they're, they're completely filled up, there's, there's, there's fuel in every pocket of the body that could possibly have fuel, and then you're just putting more and more and more in. They enjoy the fueling more than the fuel <laughs> right. itself. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like a slack what, with their cell phones. It's like as soon as the battery goes down to like 98%, they plug it back up again to charge the battery back up again because they don't want it. God forbid if by the end of the night they get down to like 60%. So they just keep going over. No, no, no. I'm, my, my battery's going to go dead. I got to charge it up again. Dude, it's at 98%. What are you talking about? No, man. I got to charge my phone, man. <laughs> yeah. oh, I got to charge it up. <laughs> so they're so afraid of going empty. Whereas we're not going to go empty. Just like when people say, oh, where you get your protein from? Look, there's not a protein deficiency going on in this part of the world. No one's going to run out of protein in their bodies in the Western world. So don't worry about that. Don't even question that. I, I, I can't agree more than that. I, I can't agree more than that. In fact, um, there's a great scientist. I think he's a genius. I mean, he already talked, he investigated the ketogenic diet before they came with this idea, call it ketogenic diet. His name is Kaghill. He did research already on the 60s. And um, he already came with the awareness of the paradox 
uh, of the paradox of yearling. And um, you can see clearly that in all animals, especially mammals, of course, um, the depletion of energy brings such an amazing uh, advantages, not only on activating stress response, the shift in the fueling in the body, the shift into from fat fuel to ketogenic fuel is extremely beneficial, especially for your brain. Now we know that even your muscle can benefit with it greatly. But but guess what again? 99.999% of people never have ketogenic fuel in the system. The brain has never enjoyed the benefit of it. Uh, ketogenic fuel is also a cancer killer. You know, Mike and Hogan, cancer cell, you put keton fuel inside them, they die, they commit suicide. They are very spoiled. A cancer cell is like an obese person. He needs sugar, he needs starch, can't survive otherwise. Don't do well. So, what do, you, what do you think about the ketogenic supplements that are being sold that allegedly put you in a ketosis state? Absolutely crap. <laughs> okay. Absolutely crap. <laughs> Come on, man. Be more direct about it. You know, don't, don't be so diplomatic about these supplements. <laughs> all of them. All of them. There's no ex- Listen, it's like telling you, you, you need, you know, how about I'll create you some kind of a sugar that or, or a bagel that will reduce the obesity. <laughs> bagel cannot reduce obesity. I don't care how you call fat. It can only cause a fat burning bagel? What? <laughs> fat burning bagel. How about it? New Yorkers will be very happy about that. It's a bagel laced with epidrine <laughs> and your him bean. <laughs> you know? They call all these titles guiltless, guilt-free, guilt. All, every time I see guiltless, I know, oh, this is the most obesity-causing substance. <laughs> yeah. It's the most dangerous one. Yeah, they yeah. just put uh-huh. names. There is no, listen, the way to reach ketosis naturally is the hard way. Is what you do. Exercise on empty, you start to shift into ketosis. Fast, completely. After a certain few hours, your body will gradually shift. It's a gradual shift. But... There are ways to enhance. Well, I mean, most, most people notice a big increase in energy when they do a fast, actually, which was interesting. Yes. For a lot of people, it's probably because they're going a long period of time without eating the when normal crap. But the stomach gets a break. Eat. It's not something trying to just break down food constantly and constantly. Like, finally, I get to take a little bit of a vacation here so other body parts can step in and do their job now. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, it's the activator of the most important pathway, AMPK. AMPK shift your whole body into fat burning, so glucose utilization increase in the brain phenomenally. You're becoming a, basically an energy machine, not, not a tank of machine, not a reservoir of fat that store energy, but rather an energy machine. Your body becomes very efficient in utilizing energy. You feel this energy, and it compensates you with great mood. Nature compensate. Nature reward you and other organism for stress. We we know that, and that's why stress can become addictive. This is part of the paradox. Yeah. However, the knowledge of stress, in my opinion, is still down one of the most dangerous term to modern human is the term stress. It yeah, is yeah. destroying everything they believe in, the truth. But it's time to say it out. So. Well, I think people. I think people chase unhealthy stresses, so they create unnecessary drama in their personal life. For example, it's like yes. a desperate cry to have stress. 
and they mix the term chronic stress with intermittent stress, a total different animals. Right. It's, right, it's right. like mixing intermittent fasting with anorexia. Well, it's fasting, fasting versus starvation. Both involve cal- calorie restriction and both in nutritional stress, but one is extremely beneficial, the other one is detrimental. One is life extending, the other one is life shortening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and people mix it constantly. So I believe that the truth is there. And yeah, last thing that I wanted to talk about, and more vegetarian, I'm not completely vegetarian. I still eat dairy. I believe in dairy. Um, I believe that dairy, I not believe, I know that dairy, especially whey, have compounded mimic, uh, the stress response compounded in many ways mimic what you find in plants. Again, they activate similar pathway, the anti-inflammatory, the anti-obesity, and they appear only in the way you don't find in other components of milk. And the best, dairy should come from grass-fed, nutritionally stressed animal, nutritionally free graze animal are stressed. They, they are exposed to seasonal changes. Food is not coming easy for them. They have to graze. They, the milk they utilize is only half of the yield of factory farm, but the milk has much better quality. Mike, we talked about well, the- a, lot, a lot of people have gut issues with whey. Would you say that's more because of the low quality product they're using? I believe that is two reasons. Number one, and that's a very good question. Number one, they already probably screwed themselves up from low quality dairy before, so they develop already sensitivity. Or they just have gut issues in general because they have had a crappy diet for 20 years. That's also, a, anything they eat is going to cause gut issues, you know? <laughs> but, but here it is. It was evolutionary advantage for advantageous for hum, humans to be dairy tolerant because breast milk is not species specific. You can be raised on a goat milk. You can be raised on a wolf milk. Um, horse milk, cows, buffalo, all of them, human can be raised on and vice versa. You can, I, I can put my puppy dog now, the one that we just uh, took on a, a bovine way and he's doing extremely well like my other part. It's just interesting. So there was an evolutionary adventure for human in primordial time to be dairy sensitive because they can enjoy the benefit when reached by milk of animal without killing them. And indeed, lactose tolerance is a dominating human gene. So if you're not, if you're lactose intolerance and your spouse is lactose tolerance, your baby must be, your child, lactose tolerance. Eventually humans, humanity, evolved to be lactotolerance and everybody could tolerate. Why we don't? Because of industrial abuse, because of wrong diets, some people don't have good tolerance to dairy and the worst of it is what you said, Mike. Very bad processing of dairy that coming from obese, sick animals create a sick dairy. Hey, you know that even children reject their own mother milk if the mom is not eating well. I believe that mom, mm-hmm. eh, yeah. they, they reject their own mom milk. No surprise they will reject 
a meal of a sea cow, you know. So defense nutrition, we are, we are very specific about it. We we only utilize whey from nutritional stress cow, always have been grass-fed cows. We, we make sure of that. But my dream, and I told you, and I hope to be alive when this is happening, my dream, maybe we'll do it together, is to create a model of how dairy is supposed to be. Cows should never be killed. Cows should be raised just to bring milk. I should be treated like I treat my own pets. You know, there's a place in Italy that they're already trying, the, very successful, they raise, I don't know if you heard about it, they are, uh, they have uh, buffalo cows that they, they are raising there, they will never be killed, they are treated with, like pets, you know, they get showers and music, they produce the best dairy and the best cheese in the world, there is a lineup for these products, what a beautiful model, I wish is that, that, is that is that model sustainable to meet the demand, the world demand of dairy? You know what? Probably not. Yeah. But a model is a model. You can never know the first model of the computer. People. No, I mean, on, on a localized level, that's great. You know, yeah. Like if I mean, if there if that's a model, people could duplicate where maybe they get together with their neighbors and fund yeah. something like oh, that. Okay. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I look. Our society, the vast majority of our society, will not. Survive natural selection. Let's put it like this. We know this. that. We know <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. That's for sure. Somebody having to run away from something that's well, out to kill you. Uh, yeah, a lot of people won't even do that. They can't even like run out the front door to their car. So, people, so, people so have they, to get in their car to exactly. go to the mailbox. Let alone. Exactly. So these people, no model that we talk about will work for them. <laughs> We're talking about a minority of the fittest that have enough brains to understand what's important and enough compassion to understand that if there is a good alternative to killing of intelligent animal, let's use it. I cannot force it. I cannot force it on anyone. I got on the way that many followers who are meat eaters, my family are meat eaters. There is nothing I can do to enforce my idea, and but I do believe that solution or models can help. I believe that there's evolution of ideas. I, like, look, we talked about, look what happened until 20 years ago, there was a typing machine, maybe 25, maybe 30. It was still a typing machine. It was rule. It was, nobody believed the computer would ever kill it, but it killed it overnight yeah. 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 with the internet. Yeah. They become absolute. It, these are dinosaurs. It's collective item. So the food industry is now under a crisis. People become simply become many people just become smarter. Some of the instinct kick in. And even though the vast majority of us will not survive natural selection, the voice of those who would survive is still loud enough. So there is a transition. So yes, I do believe that. Healthy models of anything will help. Knowledge will help. And just to sum it up, you know, look at yourself. Won't you like to repeat a routine that makes you look better and feel better? Honestly, even for the sake of vanity. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. you know, you look better. You look, you look more healthy, more sexy. You got more power. You enjoy being yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah. Why won't you like to repeat what you did to reach there? 
that's that's the thing that I am encouraged to think that at least some people would like to stick to a model that worked for them and and stay away from model that betray them. Right. So that's what I'm working right now. I'm working on a book that will show how to take advantage of stress to better live, to better survive and longer live. And um, every possible method. And hopefully I'll be able to release soon some of the products that we do accordingly and um, integrate with people and see how they respond to that. Again, I don't, I don't expect that the whole world would look at it as a solution, but for those who do, hopefully we can start a new revolution in how we look at human life. Well, I mean, it only, it only takes a small percentage of the population to influence the rest, right? Absolutely. I, I think the number is as low as like six percent of the population does one thing. Yeah. Okay, three percent, right? Then, then the rest follow suit. Yeah, I mean, people look at idols. People look at an example. They, it, it's okay. It was always like this. There's nothing wrong with the fact that a few people are leaders and some, and the most people are looking for mentors. Uh, to follow. That's the way all species are. There's always alpha alpha males in, in wolves or dogs or or cats even. And the same uh, and alpha females and the same with humans. That's the way it is supposed to be. And uh, they, are le- they are leaders but they are leaders that are physically specimen and they are leaders that are mentally uh, advanced but in the end of the day, I, I do believe that you're right. Um, well, we, I, like, we see trends where intense exercise is more and more mainstream, at least to the point where people are actually aware of what it is, whether they do it or not. And there was a time not too long ago where no one really understood what you meant by intense exercises. If you talked about kettlebell training or Olympic lifting or, or any kind of intense training, the average person would have no clue what you're talking about. Mike, I wanted to ask you now you were talking exercise because I've been asked many times by my own followers, um, how do you, you train intensely, you look very muscular, um, how do you incorporate a vegetarian, your vegetarian diet to accommodate your physical needs? What, what is your main source of protein? How, what do you do? Do you take a recovery meal or do you stress yourself for one meal a day? How do you do that? Well, I think like, like Sincere said, it's if you, if you eat enough food, you're getting a good amount of protein. You know, if you're eating a lot of healthy food, and all my food choices for the most part are, are really healthy. So I eat a lot of legumes, nuts, and seeds. You know, Those are, those are going to be the really protein-rich foods. But then you're going to get some protein from brown rice and sweet potatoes and everything else that I'm eating. And I, I do have a post-workout shake which is pea protein, hemp seeds, loaded up with fruits, vegetables. I put all kinds of stuff in there, broccoli, spinach, loading up on a lot of greens. But it's just it's 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 really nothing special. You know, most people are most people are expecting some most people are expecting some kind of secret like, oh wow, that's why he's doing what he's doing. It's, it's just, just, eat. just eating a lot of nutritious yeah. food. Yeah. Interesting. Um what if I, if I if I want to put on weight, I don't stretch out the meals as much, right? Like if I'm training, like if I'm doing a lot of heavy deadlifting and squats and so forth, I'll have four meals a day, maybe with four hours in between, sometimes more because you're just the, the, you're just constantly in this state of hunger because you're training so hard. 
So that's 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 if I want to put on some size. If I want to be really ripped, really lean, smaller body weight, like let's say like for me that would be like 180, 185, which now I'm now I'm around 205, 210 because I'm doing much heavier weight training. Wow. But then, then then I would do something like what you recommend in the warrior diet, like water fasting during the day, low low eating, small meals during the day, bigger meals in the evening. But when you're training really hard and you have a certain size, the meal frequency is gonna is gonna be higher. But it's all healthy, clean food. Interesting. So, um, in, when you eat several meals, and uh, Hogan, are you also yeah, vegetarian? I'm vegan, yeah, I'm vegan uh, as well. Vegan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, vegan. And you're doing the same uh, regimen? Yeah, more or less. Um, yeah, I eat so much nutrient-dense food that I don't have to eat as often as I used to. Like, I might end up eating, like, maybe twice a day. It just depends on – also on the activity that I have. You know, that I just really listen to my body. That's going to dictate how I eat. But the majority of the time, I don't even, it's, it's great to actually not have to think about food anymore <laughs> for the most part. So, But, um, yeah, so and right now, like I said, I'm lifting really heavy right now. I'm really getting back in the squat. So right now I'm right around – I'm 213 right now. And and I'm pretty much I'm pretty much really enjoying carbs big time. You know, like I was telling Mike, I said, I'm going to create a T-shirt and say, you know, carbs rule everything around me right now. So but uh, as far as protein, I don't, I don't worry about that because the thing is, the, the way I see it, I know something's lacking when my performance starts lacking. And when I'm training, my performance has actually gone up since I went to, switched to a plant-based diet. So obviously I'm not having any issues with protein or anything else like that. I'm not like, in fact, actually it seems like those things have actually increased for the fact that now I really focus on eating more nutrient dense food and not just skipping here and there. Like for me, I really don't do a lot of shakes. I've never really been a shake fan or anything like that. I just much rather get it with food, which makes me have to really focus on that. And, but sometimes, yeah, I might have to throw one in there. If I'm like, let's say if I'm teaching a course or I'm going to a course since all day long, then yeah, I'm going to have a shake because I don't really like to eat when I'm stuck in a course for eight, nine hours. I don't want to eat. You know, my thing is that's the time I'm really focusing on not eating at all. And I'm a lot sharper mentally when I'm doing that. You know, I see some folks, they'll sit there and they got to take a, a lunch break or snack break every 10 minutes in a course. And I'm just like, wow, how, how are you even able to pay attention? You know, with all that. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder how people stay focused. After oh. having I just, oh. Well, that, that always amazed me when I taught workshops where you would take a break after. OK, okay we're going to take a five minute break this is after maybe the first two hours yeah. of the course and people start whipping out their food i go whoa 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 we're about to jump back into action in five minutes man <laughs> you know, it's not time to eat i know i i just i don't well, even think okay. it's hunger no, either it's i think habit. it's just like it's this habit. fear like oh i just well it's like i just i, I just worked out hard for two hours hey, on my body is wasting away i, I better get some it's protein cell phone charging that kind of mentality charging theory i was speaking about earlier you know you went down about 98 like oh i gotta get back to 100 gotta get back to 100 god forbid if you just lose just a little bit of energy or a couple of calories while you're thinking during a course you know or doing some movement you know yeah but, but most people don't let hunger dictate yeah. when they eat like well, like right now if i'm eating more often it's because hunger is right. dictating me so i go with that I, i'm not forcing these meals in. it's not like well it's been three hours let me get right. another meal in and i just find if i'm doing a lot of sprinting you know i'm doing 13 all-out runs twice a week that on on those days it's it's bottomless pit time <laughs> yes. you're not hungry for maybe an hour or two afterwards and then you're like, like i don't you're yeah, i don't have my alarm set every three hours to eat you know, on my on my phone, like, Ping, oh, time to eat again. Like, are you hungry? No, but I need to eat. <laughs> my alarm went off. How many, how many sprints interval do you do, Mike, in one it's, second? It's 50, 60 yard dashes, and I'm up to 13 right now. And I'm going to, my goal is what I'm doing is 13 twice a week. I'm going to keep adding a run until I'm up to 20. So I'll be up to 20. What's the rest in between? 
I just I, I run as fast as I can, then I walk back to the start, run okay. again. Got you. I got yeah. you. That, that's very demanding. I used to breathe a lot. Yeah, that's very demanding. Um, I do it in barefoot shoes as well. I wear those five finger Vibrams, so I can. So I'm really working on foot strength. And I've noticed the feet are stronger. The calves are more well developed. Like people always talk about my calves, and I always have to. I always wonder what they're talking. They're like, oh, your calves are really well developed, and I don't do anything specific yeah, for sprint, calves other ropes, than do sprinting, it, box jumps, etc. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's true. It sounds like a good challenge. I shifted now. I build a whole a boxing area on the patio next to my office. Hmm. So I do my sprinting next to the yeah, heavy bag and the speed yeah. bag. I sometimes will spend 15 minutes nonstop on speed power punches, finish with the sprint outdoor, and go so, back. So you're, so on, you're on a treadmill already, <laughs> or you're, you have a field behind? <laughs> no, you know what? You have a field behind your house. <laughs> I have all, I have a treadmill to run with weight on, so I'm running with weight, which I call the three minutes from hell. It's really difficult. <laughs> and, um, and I have uh, beside ne- next to my patio, the patio with a heavy bag and everything, I have a track that I can run outdoor for about 100 yards. If I know, sometimes I'll do a few 50 yards after a 15-minute session on a, heavy, on a heavy bag or speed bag. And it's really, it's a challenge because your whole body is like into, basically, literally fight and yeah, flight yeah. mode. Or you'll get right. smoked. You, I mean, or between get- that and, you know, I like to not only just, you know, punch the heavy bag, but also do my kicks and everything else and, and you know, Muay Thai technique as well. But after about 10, 15 minutes, you are smoked. I mean, your heart rate is up and you swear you've been – I do that sometimes in place of sprint days just to kind of give my joints a rest, you know, and just switch those out like that. But uh, I feel the same. When you go – do you have this um, – not the speed bag, the bag – how do you call yeah, the, the hanging bag, bag yes. that is moving? Yeah. Well, I find out when I do, let's say, even 10 minutes punching or 7 minutes punching, like nonstop power punching, you know, classical, using my upper torso nonstop, you start to feel how the pain creeps everywhere in the joints, in the shoulder, in your elbow, everywhere. It just, I find it more than even the heavy back. Yeah. The fact that you need yeah. to push it and bounce back, you feel it. Do you feel it? Hogan, yeah, when those you bags, do that? They're, they're very, they don't move as much as the heavy bag does. They just kind of just sit there and look at you like, okay, kick again, kick again. <laughs> you know? So that's why sometimes it even helps even on the heavy bag to have a partner hold the bag for you, which adds more resistance, you know, to it as well. And what I like to do is like, you know, I like to just go ahead and do intervals where it's like three minutes on just nonstop and mixing it up sometimes. Take that one minute off. But that one minute, I'm not just standing around. I'm actually doing joint mobility in between those three minutes. So therefore, just keeping the joints fluid, keeping them going. And kind of giving them an active rest at the same time, then going right back to it, man. Maybe doing like five, six, seven rounds of that. It just depends on what the day is, how I want to get in and out. That's that's very good. I like. I added recently. I put it on my I believe, Facebook recently. I added another exercise. I find it, I like sense of danger. I really like sense of danger during yeah. the exercise. Oh, yeah. we, 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 we know, we know. We've seen you walk. Yeah. We've, we've seen you walk downstairs backwards with dumbbells overhead. You know? that, that's one. But that, that's a sense of danger, all right. There is a sense of danger. I tell you. I even took a ball from sense, the top. Sense of embarrassment too, if you fall over, and anyone's around. See what happened to your head. Throw a ball and see what happened to your head if you fall. So. 
<laughs> we put a string basically in my home gym, and uh, it's about the height of your hips, about, and you jump backward, uh, forward and backward. It's the jump backward that really challenging you. I, I'm telling you, it is an amazing, it's an amazing uh, feeling. Yeah. Um, how even, even running backwards is a really interesting feeling. I and mean, Muhammad Ali apparently used to do a lot of running backwards because it really improved his footwork. Yes, he was fighting yeah. his opponent, he could yeah. run back. What, he could he could go in and out. You how to push off that the, the ball of your foot a lot more. So many people are so flat footed. Even when they run forward, they're right, so flat footed. Right, right. So one thing that does it teaches you how to really utilize the ball of your feet and really use the ground and the ball of your feet together in unison. And you know, as a team, whereas mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people get it wrong when they sprint. They you know they sit there and they slap that heel down and they slap the toe down. So it just sounds like they're putting out forest oh, fires. Yeah. Whereas you know theoretically, what you want to do <laughs> is take the ball of that foot and pull the earth under you pull the earth under you and pretty much not let that foot get out in front of your hips. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's amazing when people say, oh, my God, my knees hurt or, you know, why is my back hurting so much from sprints? It's just like because you're sticking that foot way out in front of you and you're slapping it down, yeah. you know, sending a shock up your no, spine when right. you do that. Yeah. It's painful. It's painful to watch that. When you when you run, when you do so, – I mean, I'm doing I'm doing sprints with Vibram. Oh, yeah. So if you don't Yo, do it right, you're really yeah. going to fuck up. <laughs> There's no room yeah, for error yeah, yeah, with Vibram's yeah. man. Yeah, you're barefoot on a field running as fast as you can. You better be yeah, on the balls. Plus, people do a lot of bouncing. I would say, you know, when you're sprinting, you pretend like you're running down a narrow hallway with a very low ceiling. You know, so therefore it keeps people from bouncing up and down and looking like, you know, I don't know, some ostrich going you know, through the Serengeti or something like that, man. <laughs> but what you guys describe me is very interesting because most people, when you go to the gym, they don't even think about what oh, no, you no, say. Right. They're just going pretty <laughs> The whole idea of moving back, forward, backward, at least, or sideways, it's just very, very untypical. People are not trained no. for that. And then some people do some silly <laughs> stuff. Though. Like I saw this guy doing kettlebell swings at the gym, and he was doing a sidestep on each swing. I was like, come on, man. He's like, swing, step to the lateral shift. Swing, lateral shift. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> my thing is – Somebody, not- yeah, somebody, that thing has its place, but I'm pretty sure you, you gotta be at a certain level with, you know, with your training, especially with your technique with kettlebells to do something like that. If you're just trying to add something to mix it. Most people do that. You're not there yet. Why are you doing that? You can't even do a regular, regular swing. <laughs> you know, just a simple swing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like people trying to make the deadlift harder, and they're and they're they're using 135. It's like, look, man, get some respectable numbers before you worry about making it harder. You want to make it harder, put some more weight on. That's how you make it harder. <laughs> they look like poodles who try to get laid with an elephant. <laughs> I honestly, as look so impressive, the means and the tool for that. <laughs> it's so pathetic, honestly. Yeah, well, just the fact that you're trying to look impressive, <laughs> exactly. that's already the, the flaw right there. Like, if it's impressive, <laughs> it's going to be impressive whether you're trying or not. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're an elephant, be an elephant. You can't, <laughs> just honestly, it's pathetic. Well, or, some, some people have the weight of an elephant, but they, you know, they don't have the, <laughs> they don't they don't have have the strength and the grace of a real so. elephant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So much weight of an elephant, they cannot mount anymore. <laughs> We're talking about mounting an elephant or mounting another person? Well, that's important. When you can mount like an elephant, then you're Don't there, buddy. Okay. Even they make that look graceful. These are, these are the people that need to ask the doctor if their heart is good enough for sex. <laughs> Like, so no, anyway, it's, not, it's not good enough for anything, my friend. That's what I'm afraid. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, what yeah, the doctor should, that's what the doctor should say. <laughs> you know? 
Guys, I, I just, I, I've, um, yeah, I've got a schedule no today. Oh, no problem. So, uh, listen, um, I enjoy this conversation again, and uh, I'm very happy to uh, discuss funny things with you. But I, I would send you soon some stuff that uh, we are doing here. Mike, you just got some stuff. I'd like to send you some, especially when the vegan stuff is coming. Okay, sounds okay. great. I'm definitely looking for your feedback and uh, Hoga nice to chat with you again we'll be in touch guys okay thank you very much great having you on yeah. thanks for all the time and people can people can find out more about you at defensenutrition.com right defensenutrition.com yes thank you okay, thank you guys all right thank you thank you you have a good one thanks a lot thank you and again, that's our friend Ori Hoffmeckler. Check him out at defensenutrition.com. You can check out his books on Amazon as well, Anti-Estrogenic Diet, Warrior Diet, Maximum Muscle, Minimum Fat, all really great reads. And also one thing, some, some people have been asking me, how do I know if I need to take EC, which is my estrogen blocker? Well, to quote our guest today, if you have beach teats, then you know you need to take it. <laughs> that's a very compelling sign. If your wife is motorboating you, in other words, you know, motorboating your hooters. <laughs> if you're able to motorboat her or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whatever your where your situation is, you know, those are pretty compelling signs that you need an estrogen blocker. Oh, <laughs> so use that coupon code LLA, get 10, 10% off my aggressive strength testosterone booster, my new product, Red, my adrenal energy, real energy product. Everyone's loving that, getting some great feedback. So check that out. Go to MikeMahler.com. Use that coupon code LLA, get 10% off everything you see there. Yeah, and how about with you, man? Code works over at NewWarriorTraining.com. LLA, that's all you got to punch in when you make your purchase of my body weight training DVD, where you can train pretty much anywhere, anywhere. So there's no excuse. Also, my weight management program, which is pretty much you get to do it at your own pace. You get to really learn and how to incorporate a sound nutrition program with a sound train training program. So it's one thing I like about it. You know, the guys at T Nation, they, they post some pretty cool memes out there. But here's the thing. They, you know, no people, you yeah. know, diet and exercise athletes. You know, they eat and train and there's a difference right there. So and that's what this program does, man. It shows you how to eat and train and not necessarily diet and exercise. Enough diet and exercise going out there. And hey, we all know it doesn't work in the long run, dieting and exercising. Well, diet and exercise just sounds just, terrible, doesn't it? Diet, it's, like, it's like you're depriving yourself on two fronts. It's like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do two things I don't want to do. I'm gonna diet and then exactly. I'm gonna exercise. But who, does, but who doesn't like, want to no, eat that's... and train? You know, there's this. It's just like, <laughs> when you put it in context, like you're like I like to eat. You know, it's when I like training. Exercise, exercise sounds like sweating to like Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies or something like that. I just see this hamster on a little wheel just going nowhere fast, man. When I hear exercise, you know, yeah, like exactly. dieting just sounds like, exactly. wait a minute, so I can't have that? You trying to say I can't have that? First of all, tell me what I can't have. Let me decide that. So yeah, that's that's the big thing about that, man. So you'll learn how to put all those all those things and put all the pieces of the puzzle together and not necessarily have to fall victim to whatever someone's trying to say you like, oh, just do this diet and just do this diet. Dude, you know, pretty much I want to learn. You know, you know what I find works with nutrition, and I know you talk about this too in your stuff, is that instead of telling people what not to have, you just t like, look, focus on getting all of this in yep. your regimen. And then if you still want something else, go for it. And what happens is you're so nourished <laughs> you really don't want stuff that – Yeah, exactly. So it's so rather than saying you can't have this, you can't have that. So look, you can still have that if you want it, but the reality is you're not going to want it after you have – 
all of this other yeah. high quality. Okay, we're nutrition. all pretty much little kids by nature. You tell us we don't want something, we throw a fit. How just like how dare you say I can't have that? You know, it's I want it, I'm gonna get it, which is which is not a good it's not necessarily a good thing for a lot of people. That's why so many people are in debt in certain ways. Well, I mean it, it happens yeah. in business too. Like I had this one guy going, uh I got a bunch of questions about your testosterone booster and then I just responded back going, Oh, you know what? I actually don't ship to your part of the world. <laughs> And then the guy responded back. He's like, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you ship it here? Can you ship it there? All of a sudden, those questions went away. Because <laughs> you know? I was like, no, you can't have it, buddy. I don't ship there. So all of a sudden, the questions he wanted to answer didn't exactly. matter anymore. He just wanted to find out how he could buy it. <laughs> what do you mean I can't have it here? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll help you with all that stuff, folks. Again, just use that coupon code LLA over at NewWarriorTrain.com, MikeMahler.com. And also head over to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. Start off with a $5 donation, or you can increase that bad boy each and every month. And we'll keep bringing great guests like Ori Hoffmeckler on the show, man, and uh, keep dropping all this knowledge. First of all, this knowledge is worth more than a $5, $10, $20 donation a month. <laughs> it's invaluable, folks. You know, these people are sharing their time, their expertise with you guys. And, um, and hopefully you're taking something out of it and if you just take one thing from it and, and put it into action, you know, then you'll realize, like, you know what? I'll give you guys more than five bucks. For just look at the way this changed my life. So, yeah, man. So that's one way you can help the show out. And last but not least, you can over to iTunes and Stitcher, leave a review, rate us, share the episode. That helps, too. All those things, folks. So just get the word out there. Let everybody else know about the LLA podcast. All right, man. You're done. All right. Take <laughs> All right, care, folks. everyone. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>